We did it. We finally made it to the first actual episode of Casual Yelling, or at least this was the episode recorded when everything was rebranded. Please enjoy an interview with the singer of the band Death Pose, Jason Thompson. We were both in the same music scene, like punk music scene in the late 90s, early 2000s. So you're going to get kind of a split between a talk about his current band and where we both came from. So this is really, really, really niche and broad at the same time. Like every episode of this show, enjoy. Hey, welcome to Casual Yelling, a show that we're having casual conversation, but not yelling. Uh, I'm Matt Elfring. This is a show that used to be called I Just Want to Talk to Friends, but then things on Substack happened, so now we're on Patreon. I already said I'm Matt Elfring. Today, someone I've known for quite a long while who's doing the same thing, but on a much higher level. Uh, please say hello to Jason Thompson. How are you, sir? Hey there, doing very well. And yeah, we've I've tried to like quantify how long we've known each other, and it's both exciting and depressing. <laughs> we've been around that long. <laughs> there are people listening right now that like we've known each other longer than they've been alive. Right. <laughs> A lot. Very much so. Adults that have known. I think it's yeah. been like twenty five ish years, maybe twenty three, twenty two. I mean, at least. Right, because it was probably like 98, 99, somewhere in there. Yeah, like mid to late 90s. So yeah, I guess, yeah, it's been a minute. Yeah, uh, we know each other from what is called the <laughs> Tri-City Punk Rock scene from that time, which was uh, St. Charles, Geneva, and Batavia. There was an explosion of punk music uh, and underground shows, and it was all good. There was no white laces, red laces people in it. <laughs> <laughs> Do you, do you remember? Because I don't. Do you remember the first time we met? It was no. I, my guess is that it was at Kiss the Sky, probably a uh, record store that held punk shows, just music in general. Yeah. So I would say it was either Kiss the Sky Records in then in Batavia, now again in Batavia because they moved to Geneva yes. and then back to Batavia, or it was at like a small town skates show. Which... Oh man. Small town but skates. It was probably more. So small town skates was a very, it was a very small skateboard shop, mm-hmm. St. Charles, Illinois, that um, the owner there, Jay, would just like, we were there buying whatever wheels. Or, I, I was a terrible skateboarder. Yes, I basically same. owned a skateboard. <laughs> couldn't couldn't roll, even roll around in it. I can but almost I was, manual, guys. Check this out. <laughs> I could basically just roll kind of straight. <laughs> um, and... Yeah, they just decided to put on shows, but um, it was probably Kiss This Guy. I'm guessing it yeah. was it was pre 9-11 for sure. <laughs> Are we allowed to talk about that? I think I think enough time has passed where we can right. discuss uh, pre 9-11 and post 9-11. Phew. I, it might have been Small Town Skates, which was such a small, you mentioned it was a small venue. And I think during that time, I was in a band called Unauthor- Unauthorized Criticism as the singer, mm-hmm. and like the band would play in a corner and then you you could fit maybe 20 people in there, but it was usually yeah. like 50 to like 75 would show up and it was a nightmare. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was probably a nightmare for the owners. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was, it was wild. Uh, but I love, I love those small spaces too, yeah. because like if only 15 people showed up, it still looked like it was a full room. 
Yeah. And then if it ended up being 50 people and it was like people couldn't get in, then it was it felt even better. But there's nothing worse than playing a big venue with 20 people. <laughs> like when Small Which, Town Skates opened up a warehouse. Oh my God, I forgot yeah. about that. Yes. <laughs> they opened up a giant warehouse to like do big shows because Small Town Skates had gotten so like popular they couldn't fit people in. So Jay moved it to a giant warehouse and definitely not up to code. Oh no, there was electrical everywhere. Yeah. Don't go on the, the second floor. There's exposed wires. (laughs) There was rules about where you couldn't, couldn't go there. Yeah. I, I think I'd totally forgotten about that place. That was wild. Uh, So what band were you in during that time? So the first band I was ever in um, was, I was in like the eighth grade. I was in a band called mucus princess. (laughs) <laughs> um, which we played our first show with the buzz specters in somebody's backyard yeah um with somebody's birthday the first band that actually like played multiple shows was toxic crusaders yes um with uh aaron boynton sean Phoenix, and jesse fisher and we yeah we did like a tape and that's that's the band i think that we played with y'all uh first and actually i have like a I like always buy and sell musical gear and I rarely hold on to single pieces for very long, but this guitar here is, is the the first guitar I ever owned. So this was the one that I would play like everything with. So this is a 1974 Ibanez Les Paul. Um, I remember that guitar very well. I got it or my, my folks got it for me because it was like super cheap at, um, what was that? record store or that music store by discs and dats charles oh i do not remember anyway it doesn't matter the name but um got it there and i've just never gotten rid of it and it ended up being a very nice collector's car yeah like um, i have my bass right back there which was my first bass like i can't all. i can't get rid of it yeah like it, there's memories buried within there even if the memories were bad because i was a terrible bassist and singer <laughs> right i mean you you heard me play guitar twenty five years ago. It wasn't yeah. good. <laughs> it wasn't good. We all knew power chords. I barely knew them, but yes, <laughs> <laughs> I knew they existed. It's <laughs> but yeah. We, we I was in Toxic Crusaders, and then we went through a phase of like we were doing like really shitty like I don't want to call it crust punk, but it was like bratty pop punk type yeah, stuff. But like, your but your cover of House of the Rising Sun was like really good. That I think that was like the point where like, well, maybe we should do a different style. Let's rip off AFI for a while. (laughs) (laughs) So then we ripped off AFI for a while and had a blast doing that. And then eventually we're like, let's rip off at the drive-in. So then we changed our name to Niagara fell, (laughs) but it was just a different, every few months was an exercise in stealing from other musicians. (laughs) See, I never got to that. Like I was always jealous of, not in a negative way, but jealous of like people like you, uh, Eric Hutchins, who I like play D and D with every Tuesday. Oh, nice. uh, Dave Jones, who was in Vicious Canids, which was mm-hmm. like the band, I guess. Yeah. Uh, Mikey Bellick in uh, Diuretics Rhythm Twits, uh, who I also see all the time now. <laughs> That's what I haven't seen him in ages. I'd love to see him. Yeah. Yeah, like there's still a community of like all of us that played music together. Yeah. Uh, that play now play D and D together. That's awesome. Yeah, Probably I mean, see I, everybody. Uh, yeah, because we're all just in our forties or late thirties, and still 
Well, you're still playing music. The rest of us, I, I guess I still play music. I still play drums yeah, like with a bunch of friends and we're on ukuleles and yeah. trumpet. You still play music. We're all still playing music. It's just uh you're probably smarter about it and I'm just losing money doing it. So we're not we're not playing like Mikey uh and Will Ash, who I was in a bunch of bands with, and his wife, like they still go and play the shows. But oh. as the drummer, I'm like, no, I'm not I'm not hauling gear anywhere. I'll play with you guys for band practice, but I I can't do hurts. this anymore. Yeah, my back hurts. <laughs> my knees are completely shot. So when I'm hitting like the bass pedal, I'm just like, oh, every single time. Like this sucks. I it's funny, I could never play drums. I tried, but the my brain connecting my limbs together just never never worked. I've like, tried to I, explain it to people, and it's like you have to your arms and legs are synced, but at the same time, they're completely chaotic and like just moving yeah. around. And then also your wrists are doing weird things i have a lot of respect for anyone that can play drums at all and i'm i'm garbage <laughs> for sure that is uh, a very challenging instrument for me but you just you're you're still playing music you just got back from a tour from europe with i'm, I'm assuming death pose yeah actually it was a u.s tour <clears throat> so we're doing um we did we're doing europe in the spring okay but um we did yeah so it was my band death pose it's like a hardcore-ish noise rock yeah punk adjacent kind of band and we did it was like a week and a half where we did we started on the east coast and did i think it was 10 shows in total with one drive day one or two drive days and it was with local age which you know we that's ridiculous kind of grew up <laughs> yeah. listening to them and you know but yeah we, we became friends with them over the past couple years so it was wild like like if we were to go on tour by ourselves like we just released our first album like mm -hmm. a month and a half ago or two months ago now like if we were to go out by ourselves it would be very small crowds and that'd mm -hmm. be fine like you know that's kind of what it would be like if we're going to pl be playing in washington dc we've never played there before of course it's going to be a small crowd but playing with them it was like bananas. that's a boost yeah it was sold out shows every night and it was like those guys are super nice super mm -hmm. gracious um they practice next door to us uh, here in chicago um but yeah it was fun um it, it was funny the last show of the tour it was, it was without them so we played in champagne and it was it was still a really great turnout but it was like the first time where it was like all right we're not playing like a legendary club with this legendary band yeah. we're back to our our reality check which was which is a good way to end it i think yeah like you're at a point where like like I, we released an album this year, uh, the band, the muggles, but 20 years after like a studio session, because <laughs> all of us are just like, uh, eh, whatever. we never released the album. So we put it out, but you're at a point where you're releasing albums, you're touring with local H and you're, and because of that, like you're getting awesome exposure and like, how does that, like, how does that feel to you to kind of be at a place where like you're building? It's, it's really cool. And it's, it's something that like, I don't really like think of about that much until I step away from it and mm -hmm. then just to be like holy shit like I just my old band went to was able to go to Europe two times and do like month a month like four week tours and that's something that you know when we were playing at Kiss the Sky I would be like oh my god if I could even play in Chicago it would, I would like I could hang it up yeah so yeah it's been it's been really fulfilling I mean it's uh not something I ever would have expected to have happened but just kind of the cards kind of like fell right places and it's i'm super grateful that it did but 
it's funny like that reminded me when we were when tox crusaders or maybe it was when we were going as niagara fell when mm. we were playing in in the tri-cities a lot and we're like we really got to try to play at the fireside bowl yeah like, that, that, that'd be like so amazing and we finally got an offer to play and my grandfather was like suddenly on his deathbed so mm. i had to go down and i remember it was like uh, a little bit of a a moment of like do you have to go down to texas and see your grandfather i'm like yes i do i know this is a really big deal but and i think the other guys were kind of mad at me for in the moment but then of oh course, yeah, yeah realized that that's not something to be mad about but yeah and then we ended up playing there 11 times or i ended up playing there 11 times in different bands before it shut down wow. which was like just nuts <laughs> you know so yeah and fireside um, bowl was for punk bands was kind of like the echelon of places that you could play because it was just an old bowling alley yeah like no one used it as a bowling alley i don't think and that's they where had one every, night a week they had one, one night, night a week, a week okay. would do, basically yeah but but every good punk band like came through and played fireside like that's where i went to show was in chicago was that or the metro yeah and it was wild like looking back and i was talking about this when we were driving on this tour like looking back at like the show sheets that brian peterson would write up for every month every band that was playing every night and it would be like a slapstick opening a show you know or like yeah. alkaline trios for like rise against playing on a tuesday night things like that and it's like i remember like just recently seeing somebody comment on a facebook post where somebody shared that and they're like like oh man it'd be so great to see so like such and such band it's such a small venue i'm like well the only way to do that is to go to shows now when you can but then yeah because like the next rise against is playing right probably somewhere you know yeah exactly uh, but at the same time i'm 41 years old and i'm not going to leave my house yeah so. <laughs> <laughs> the only way to see those bands is go back in a time machine right yeah like if yeah. you didn't see apocalypse hoboken break up on stage then you missed out <laughs> at least once because i think at they broke once. up they broke up at like three shows i went to including the metro which was the funniest one because they just stopped playing 10 minutes in i think i was at, was that one of the the winter like the winter class like the blue meanies uh winter classic ones or whatever they called them maybe it was catch 22 who was on every single show i think i went to back then <laughs> and maybe I think 10 foot pole who I was super, they were headlining, which is weird to say okay. 10 foot pole was high or was, you know, headlining a show. Yeah. Cause they were just, <laughs> they, they come and then they just disappeared. That is a sign of the times for sure. Yeah. Like fireside bowl. It's like Dillinger four is coming and they continue to put out music, but you completely, you know, forget about the band, even if they were your favorites. <laughs> yeah. Where's it? Where's the, we're going to, I'll step away from death pose and go back to the punk stuff from back where was the worst show like what was the worst venue not the worst show but what venue stands out and you're just like why am i doing this i played some weird houses where it would be like <laughs> yes. hey we're doing like it but because it, it wasn't a we're like oh sick a house show but it ended up being someone's backyard and yeah. they're like and they're like all right we got to stop and cut the cake kind of thing <laughs> and it wasn't like friends hanging out it was like somebody that we didn't know having a party the weirdest that I, I can't even remember what it was like inside the, the venue, but <laughs> Hanson Baking Company, do you remember them? 
they yeah. were like a, a bread company in Geneva <laughs> was like, yeah, we'll put on shows. And we we're like, are you sure? So I remember playing at least one show at Hampton and it could have been great, but it was just like, just the weirdest, like, oh, come see us at this bread store. <laughs> like, <laughs> Maybe you'll buy some bread after you play some really loud really loud music with all of the swearing in it right <laughs> well actually pro probably the worst show and i hope this these people don't listen to, to your podcast but like there was a show that i played at a friend of a friend's backyard and it was his birthday and he oh asked no me this play. might be me <laughs> no no it wasn't you okay <laughs> no it was somebody that i i can't even uh he was a big, big uh, Blink-182 fan. Okay. And I only knew a couple of their songs, but he was like, oh, I want it. It's my new band that I'm just starting. I want you to play bass. And it might have been like, remember, I mean, this was this was so long ago, but it was his, this dude's backyard and he was wanted to sing and play guitar and he called his band Wink. Like, oh, instead yeah. of Blink. <laughs> yeah. And I didn't get it at the time. I was like, all right. And then we played... I think it was three Blink-182 covers and then that was it. And it was like, it was clearly a party where he just wanted to like hook up with girls. I got the vibe yeah. at least. Yeah. And I was just kind of there like, all right, well, I'm going to go home. Like backyard shows were such a huge part of that scene because there was only like five venues to play. Yeah. yeah. So it's like, uh, I'll mention this name because it doesn't matter, but Charlie Worthley would put on shows in his backyard and he had like 13 bands play timmy olsen same thing mm -hmm. hi timmy because i know you actually listen timmy palooza <laughs> this girl riley that lived down the block from me like that's the first time i saw vicious canids which eric hutchins was singing yeah it was like ttfn i believe you all were there too i'm sure yeah i mean if it, if it was at riley's house too we would always yeah yeah, it was in it's the like basement. Riley and Anna and all them. Yeah. Oh yeah, that group. Yeah. Like always hosting punk shows, like Katie. in the house. Yeah. <laughs> I just feel so bad for their parents. I was like, is this allowed? Are they are they cool with this? Because I do backyard shows, but like we lived in a neighborhood where everyone in the neighborhood could hear. Yeah. And like as an adult, you feel bad because you're a teenager and you're full of angst and you're writing the worst. Like the the songs are bad, but like the lyrics are worse. Yeah. <laughs> They're bad poetry wrought with profanity. Yeah, especially if you're vicious canids and your songs are like, I want to stick my dick in the nachos or right. something like that. Right. It doesn't doesn't translate to other generations quite, quite as well. <laughs> uh, because music now is so and you're in your in your 40s and you're writing music, which I would assume is much more mature. I mean, I watch uh, like one of your music videos because I'm like, what's Jason up to? And I'm like, oh, shit, you're singing. Because yeah. I've never heard you sing before, I don't think. <laughs> yeah. Maybe backups. Yeah, only backups up until um, when I was in a band called The Sky We Scrape. But yeah, it's a, definitely not singing about putting any my body parts in <laughs> the concession foods. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm going to look through your liner notes just to double check. <laughs> You're welcome to. <laughs> You'll be very disappointed. So how did this band come together? How did Death Pose come together? I was living in Germany for about six years working and I was playing in a band over there called Little Teeth. The craziest thing happened in 2020. The and, pandemic. <laughs> yes. <laughs> During that same time, my, the company I was working for was involved in the largest financial scandal in German history. Um, oh. so, so much that there's a, there's a Netflix documentary about it. 
and they use my a voiceover I did in it. So okay, I have a, I get a new IMDb credit, but also I lost my job. Uh, so plus and uh, minuses, pros and cons. Well, yeah, I didn't get paid for that, but but changed jobs, and then my wife and I decided to move back to the states. Mm-hmm. And in doing so, um, like around the same time, I was talking to my friend Alex. They used to play in this band called Typesetter from Chicago, and my old band, The Skyway Scrape, would play with them. And they were neighbors of ours, so like I would see them all the time. But we never actually played together. So we're like, hey, if I move back, it'd be cool to do something musical together just to kick around some ideas. And then we ended up starting this band. It originally wasn't called Death Pose. It was called Big Bird, <laughs> which guess why we had to change our name. <laughs> so we named the band Big Bird because we like, I hate picking band names. Like, yes. I'm, like, even if you find a good band name, it's going to be taken. Yep. So Alex and I were bouncing around ideas and they were like, you know what? Screw it. Let's just call the band Big Bird. And they were totally joking. But then immediately we're like, let's just do it. Cause it's yeah. clearly already taken. Like it's leaning into it. And, and then we ended up getting, um, not an actual cease and desist, sadly. Cause I really wanted to have a formal like cease and desist letter from Henson. Yeah. But the label that released our record um, was like, yeah, our legal team said you can't do that <laughs> because if there is a cease and desist, then that usually comes with destruction of all the copies of the record yeah. that haven't sold and all that stuff. So, and they actually have like formal distribution, like physical through Death Wish records. And then, um, excuse me. And then their digital distro is through Sony, the Orchard. So much more than like, handing out cassette tapes mm-hmm. like we used to do in the past or like yeah. oh, I'm, gonna, I'm on the poopy poopy brains records comp <laughs> <laughs> so a little bit more visibility so yeah so it started kind of just as a project um to just feel out and then ended up yeah we ended up playing some some cool shows so far and put out a record yeah but originally big bird which is <laughs> really funny that, which is really funny to me <laughs> that was in a band called big bird yeah, I like I spent an hour and a half this morning. Uh, I'm like, all right, casual yelling. Like, I don't, I don't, I hate naming things too. Uh, that's why this show was called I Just Want to Talk to Friends because it was just like such a bad name. And I'm like, that's funny to me. It's a bad name for a show. But I spent an hour searching like Apple and Spotify. I'm like, please don't let there be a podcast called Casual Yelling because I'm just, I'm so tired of coming I up know. with things for things. <laughs> yeah. And there wasn't one, there wasn't a name. I'm just like, perfect. Let's just go. I, I don't care. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's, and it's, I'll say it's a, it's a good name, Casual Yelling. Thank you. Shift. Much um, better than I just want to talk to friends. That's good too, though, because it, it tells you what it is. Exactly. Right? exactly. That's why, I, but it's so long and I'd have to abbreviate it. And I'm, like, I'm just yeah. tired of writing the whole thing. Yeah. But yeah, names are so, I mean, at this point, they're, they're pretty arbitrary. Like you look at yeah. some of the more popular bands these days and it's just like Car Seat Headrest is a band name. Perfect. I was in a band called Inspector Owl. Like, yes, you that? were. I remember that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Radiohead is a dumb name, but it's it is also kind of cool. But what is that? When you separate it from the actual band and everything you know about the band, like, yeah, Radiohead's not good. Yeah. Like, oh, Limp Biscuit. All right, I'm not backing Limp yeah. Biscuit. Like, oh, that's a terrible <laughs> band name. The Butthole Surfers. Yeah. <laughs> like. What was it 90 foot Jesus or 20 foot Jesus? Like some, 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 some height of Jesus. Sure. <laughs> a height of Jesus. That's my new show. Check it out. 
<laughs> the height of Jesus. <laughs> What's your worst band name that you were in? That I was in? Uh, yeah. Probably Mucus Princess. Um, okay. Because also we spelled the we spelled Mucus wrong. <laughs> so, that, so that we could have an anarchy symbol in it. So it's perfect. <laughs> I know what this band's about. I saw the A. Yeah, they're called Mucus Princess. And actually it was, we took the name, we lifted it from uh, Billy Madison at the end. Mm-hmm. There's like, there's one of the moms, like the hot moms has like a, like she blows uh, her kid's nose and then like wipes it on her face. So then they call oh, her the, yeah. mucus, the mucus queen. Yeah. So we're like Mucus Princess, but then we spelled it wrong to have an anarchy symbol in it. <laughs> so... <laughs> Because you're 16, 17 and like conformity yeah. sucks. Yeah. And now you're then, 40 and you're like, conformity's fine. Just whatever. Fine. <laughs> yeah. Niagara Fell was, I think, a good band name. Yes. It, Dave Marcinkowitz came up with it. Um, and we stole it without really asking, I think. In hindsight, that was like we're like, oh, it was a cool, I was I was in the band two that band's broken up let's just use that into the tox crusaders and then i remember him being like hey dude what the fuck <laughs> i was like oh shit we should have had that conversation but that name was also a challenge because people for the life of them could not spell niagara yeah they would leave out one of the a's yes. so whenever we were doing like any kind of interview or like on the radio which would be like the college radio in the in uh naperville or whatever It'd yeah like, we were all played on that which was yeah. awesome <laughs> we'd have to like we're niagara fell n-i-a-g-a-r-a-f <laughs> you know it, so you take up 10 seconds spelling your band name when really it's like just call yourselves 20 foot jesus and you're fine <laughs> <laughs> and the people listening are probably like why are they spelling their band name that's kind of pompous <laughs> do they think we're dumb <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Well, considering everybody's misspelling the band name, I don't think you're <laughs> yeah. dumb. I think you're just going to misspell it. Right. <laughs> yeah, that radio station was awesome because it was it was the college radio station. And there yeah. was a certain time where they would just play local bands. And if you had a CD, most likely you're going to get played on it. Yeah. Which was like you'd reach a new audience, which is almost impossible to do in the Tri-Cities. Yeah. Because you're playing to the same 20 people at every show. Right. It's like they'll they'll keep coming, or if like somebody new moves into town, then you're like, oh, we got a new fan. Yeah. Um, Come to this backyard show. Right. But then there are bands like um like Mount St. Helens. They were like probably the most legitimate band, I would say, like in terms of being a real band yeah. back in the day. And they would play at that radio station too. And I uh that's a band that I missed. They they were very good i think very ahead of their time but yeah what was what was the worst band name that you were in this is so easy uh it was my (laughs) second band where i was just playing bass and then i eventually became the singer uh we were called dnr and like you think like oh do not resuscitate like cool metal band name but it stood for dr nick riviera from the simpsons (laughs) (laughs) no idea what we're doing we were so bad and then when i took over uh after our two singers left because we had two singers why not of course uh i would write the worst worst songs like i am not a songwriter i am barely a singer at you know at that point in time and it's it's so embarrassing to think back i have my like i have every notebook i because i write in notebooks that's i'm like a writer but i have every notebook i've ever written and one of them just says dnr on the logo 
or on the front. And I'm like, I'd look through and be like, holy shit. Like you were very bad at music. Yeah. I continue to be very bad at music. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's always kind of cringy looking through old notebooks of lyrics or ideas or like high school poetry when you're so, at least, at least for me, when it was like, I'm so deep. And I read it, I'm like, this is the dumbest thing I've ever written. Yeah. It's kind of like revisiting, like when you go through on like Facebook, it's like memories and you'll, you'll see something you posted like 14 years ago. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, (laughs) what was I thinking? Yeah, I'm going to scrub the past and delete that. I used to have, like, I called it, and this is in high school. um, I called it my quote unquote Bible. And I would just write like scathing editorial type things about like doctors are bad because I was going through having epilepsy uh, and continue to have epilepsy. Mm-hmm. But I'm just like, doctors just want your money. And I remember finding it and going through it. And I'm just like, we are tearing this up. And like, <laughs> I don't care if it's like my first writing, like gone forever. I don't I don't need that as part of my my mileage or my. <laughs> I want no one to find this ever. Right. No one. <laughs> I saw like I keep going back back to death, but we keep jumping around because I feel like that's fun to yeah. remember the awful past and learn. But it's more about learning, you know. Life is a highway. Yeah, I wrote that. <laughs> <laughs> Copyright. I wrote Welcome to Margaritaville, so I understand. Yeah. Pina Coladeberg, but yeah. <laughs> what what was the the transition for you like from kind of from being guitarist and backup vocal to being the mainstay and just being a singer for a band. So I was in, so yeah, I would always play either guitar bass in bands and just do backing vocals. But I would um, like in high school, I was in like choir, like I was in jazz choir and varsity choir and all that. So I, uh, I enjoyed singing when I joined this band that I was in for uh, like almost 10 years. Couldn't be that long. We'll say eight years mm-hmm. called the sky. We scrape. Um, it was an existing band and they were looking for a singer and guitarist. So I met up with them and their previous singer. There's like, that's a whole story, but um, they're like, they just wanted a, a fresh start. So I came in and I was like, yeah, I'll try it. I've never sang in a band and ended up being a good fit. And then we ended up like, it was a good exercise for me to like work on like different melodies within like writing my own melodies rather than just like for backing vocals, I would be either doing a harmony or complimenting yeah. what, what the other singer was going on, going through or uh, writing. But with the Skyway Scrape, it was more about like true writing. So ba- I would always write lyrics and vocals after the mu- the core music was done. I'm generally not someone that writes, you know, my melodies while writing a guitar part and definitely not lyrics so that that whole band and we put out one full length on a label called paper and plastic which was Vinny from less than jake's label so that was yeah amazing to do and like yeah matt anderson and all them like they're all homies and that was the band that ended up going to europe a couple times and then once that band broke up i moved to germany and our other guitarist moved to california um he's still there and so then i kind of took a break from singing like it lead singing in a band and I was singing backing vocals for another band called little teeth in Germany. And that was awesome. Uh, but then, yeah, coming back 
it was the discussion of like, do I go back to singing or screaming or yelling or whatever you want to call it? Casually yelling. Casual yelling. <laughs> yes. And I was like, well, I haven't done it in a long time. I don't know if my voice could do that, especially something that's much more aggressive. But yeah, I ended up just, I was like, well, part of it is like, I, I think I have like moderate to severe control issues. So like, I, I like to know how things are being like having a plan for everything and making myself the vocalist made it. It was a discussion of course, with the rest of the band, but it just made it easier because the other alternative was to bring somebody new in that would be just singing, like not playing guitar or anything mm -hmm. and bring in a new person that I don't already know or, you know, whatever was just a little unknown and scary to me. So I was like, you know, I'm just going to do it. And yeah. then I ended up doing it. And it so far has worked out. I mean, I, I enjoy, enjoy doing it. The one challenging part about it would be like on tour. I'm, I'm not used to doing it so often, like yeah. day after day for that much. And then also, you know, talking to people for hours and, you know, before and after at the merch table and whatever, and then abusing your body afterwards in different ways and then driving you know however many hours so it, it takes a toll on your throat yeah so that was not really the answer to the question but <laughs> just kind of no that is the answer to the question you're yeah. you're describing the experience and what you have to face afterwards because I'll, I'll give you like podcasting like i'll i'll do this show but i'm booked before and after on other people's shows so by yeah. the time I get to like that third show, I'm just like, Hey man, let's like, you're not yourself anymore. Yeah. Like your voice sounds awful for talking yeah. for three hours and you're singing. So you're really putting a lot of stress on yeah. the vocal cords. I got to show you something. Please do. Uh, if it, for those that watch the visual aspect. Of oh, this. there's no video on this. I'm too. Oh, there's no, no, oh, just tight. audio. So I'm going to have to explain this uh, with my words. So there's this thing, it, which it looks like looks a sexual. water. It looks something moderately <laughs> sexual, but also has water in it. And it's not a bong. This is a, a, like a singing straw vocal trainer. Okay. So you put, take these things off. This is, you know, a little plastic podcasting. piece to hold the water in. <laughs> but yeah, there's basically two straws in the top. It's a slushy looking bottle. Mm -hmm. That look like could be inserted somewhere in your body. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, it is inserted somewhere, just not where you think. That's what I was saying. What what what, yeah. what were you saying? <laughs> like because it looks like an old Coke bottle, and like, yeah. just the way it's formed and the color of it, I'm immediately like, not immediately because I know it's not what it is, but like you could mistake it for some sort of sexual toy. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, yeah, there's this tube, and like it causes reverse pressure. That theoretically, I think maybe it's been proven, massages your vocal cords because it causes okay. pressure back up. So I I got this just after tour. I actually ordered it on tour and it's it's something you just do vocal exercises like scales and humming and all that and it's really great for people that are you know that talk all day long or that sing um, so that's something I've, I've been doing more proactively to you know treat my quote-unquote instrument a little bit better yeah but yeah it's hard and then also like for for work I'm sitting in the same chair talking most of the day with either to clients or to colleagues or to friends you know so it's i get it it's a it could be a, a real throat throat slasher <laughs> yes yeah 
or doing interviews because I saw people, I saw like I think on numerous websites you were doing interviews as well. Yeah. How I don't want to say weird, but it is weird to be interviewed. I mean, you're being interviewed now, but it's a completely different. This is different. Yeah. This, this is, is talking different. to an old friend. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. But when you're in that, that kind of being interviewed headspace, first of all, do you have essentially PR training, <laughs> which is a super real thing that I had to go mm-hmm. through too. But secondly, like that someone is invested in what you're doing. Does that feel weird? Yes. Both things are. Yes. So first and foremost, I, I like a lot of people have a varying degree of imposter syndrome and everything yeah. that I do. Um, I think that's not unique to, to myself or to, you know, to anyone like us. So that's always weird for someone to like be interested at all in, in something that I did or in, you know, the album we just put out or whatever. So on the, you know, part of this release cycle that death pose did, like we've been doing interviews. A lot of those are written, but you know, a good amount of those are podcasts or, you know, Mm -hmm. video interviews. And it's, it is strange. It's also very strange when people from like someone from like Germany or the Netherlands or Colorado even will, will like ask questions that are more in depth about like lyrics than I would have, that I would have ever thought of. <laughs> so yeah. that's always like jarring, but also very cool. But the earlier question about like any kind of PR training and interview training and stuff like that, I did some of that when I was at a, the company that's now defunct in Germany uh, because my role there, I was the lead creative director for like global brand stuff and mm-hmm. within the marketing department. So part of my job was to go to different offices around the world and present about the brand changes and give some interviews and like basically talk nonstop. And Part of the reason why I was there was because I was a native English speaker that was also a creative director. So it was like, it it felt a little bit less, a little bit more disarming, I guess, or a little bit um, less uh, aggressive yeah. than having a German speaker with a, you know, you know, a very fluent English speaker, but a, with a heavy German accent, it's, you know, when you're going to Brazil like I would go to our office in Sao Paulo, Brazil, and they were very much like, we don't want to be taken over by this large German corporation. And then they just see me, who's kind of a doofus, but like, <laughs> you know, like they were, they were, they were like this office told me afterwards, they were legitimately concerned that they were going to have to come in like wearing suits all the time. And then it was going to be super straight laced. And then I walk in covered in tattoos and, you know, weird piercings and you know a shitty beard and they're like okay we're we're, you know we're safe so that was that was helpful but yeah the pr training stuff was something that i had to do a little bit of and then i ended up having to like i was it got to a point where i wasn't allowed to talk to the press (laughs) so (laughs) when this whole um you got to look this up man it's nuts the company had 1.8 or maybe it was 1.9 billion with a b euros that were like just gone overnight oh, so defrauding geez. million like that th- i don't know about millions but thousands of investors board of directors all this stuff the ceo is still on trial he's been on trial for like two two and a half years wow the coo is like fucked off and he's living in like belarus or dubai or something like that 
Um, and it's been proven that he was like legitimately a Russian double agent. <laughs> oh, <what? So> like, <laughs> yeah, it's it's bananas. So with that, like there was a police raid in Singapore the day before I arrived in the Singapore office to like mm -hmm. do the same thing I do. So of course I get there and they're like, no one was talking to anybody. There was a dead silent room, super tense because there was just a police raid. And the meetings I was supposed to have, I was supposed to do like presentations and whatnot. Nothing, like everything got canceled. So basically I just got like a, a cool trip to Singapore for a few days. Um, but when I landed back in Germany, we're really glad that you made it back safely. I'm like, yeah, me too. It was a great trip. They're like, no, um, we were informed while you were there that anyone with a director title or above mm -hmm. could be indefinitely detained by the Singapore government. What? <laughs> I was like, what? <laughs> I'm like, I have a degree in graphic design. They would be very disappointed. They're like, they wouldn't care. They would just kind of want to use you possibly as a pawn or you're like, you could just be in their prison for years. So you're not allowed to go back. You're not allowed to talk to anybody. I was like, all right, geez. Does this person need like a really nice logo? Cause I can help you with that. <laughs> right. What's their, what's their color palette? I can really, you know, help with <laughs> the kerning on their sign is a little off. <laughs> I, I'm going to go back now, back to the old, back to the olden days. Yeah. Uh, I will, I will cut names out mm. and I will cut band names out, but I want to know about your worst band practice ever. Oh, or worst band you were you were in ever again, cutting out things because I don't want anybody to. Yeah, because probably the <laughs> these folks will probably listen to this worst band practice ever. I mean, there were a lot. I think the the one that like sticks with me, which is no like, which isn't like a poke at anybody specifically. We were. I can even use the old band name. I think it was it was either Mucus Princess or it was Tox Crusaders early on. Mm -hmm. And we were supposed to be playing or we were supposed to be trying out for like the Geneva High School, which is where we went to high school, or I did, um, the Geneva High School talent show. <laughs> and I can't remember what song we, we said we were going to try out with. And then like the night before... I'll say his name. I'm going to redact. I'm redacting all names. I, that, I'm redacting it. Redacting. Redacting. <laughs> anyway, uh, he decided he wanted to play a completely different song for the talent show mm -hmm. or to, to for the audition. And I remember just like, like none of us were prepared, but like we ended up doing it and it wasn't good. So that was like a very late minute or last minute shift that didn't go well. But then there were other other practices where like the I would be in not even just one band, but it's happened a couple times where like you're writing or you're practicing for a show or whatever, and tensions just get hot and like the band like legitimately breaks up yeah. in the room. And then you know, you you walk outside and you cool off and then you're like, all right, let's we're not really gonna break up. And then you go back in, and then it'll happen again a few months later. Yeah. And that, that kind of thing has happened, you know, knock on wood, not with my current band, but with, I would say a lot of my previous bands were just, cause I'll call it art. Like art can be very personal. Yeah. Um, even if you're playing three chord 
punk rock. Like yeah. you're putting a lot of yourself into it. So like there's validity to, there's a lot of validity to like feeling strong about what you're doing. And when someone questions that or calls it stupid or like, or like for you, like writing lyrics, like that's a super personal thing. And if someone, I'm sure I, I've had over the years, like people questioning lyrics or trying to like rewrite parts of songs that I've written. And that's like a, that's a big hard no for me. Like that's yeah. one thing like when, so I know I'm sure there's been moments where I've been kind of a dick where it's like, I can rewrite it, but I'm going to rewrite it. You know, like this is my perspective and this is my story I'm telling. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But there's definitely been like some near breakups in, in band practices that have, you know, hindsight's like, you know, it's, it's fine. But uh, in the moment, like that's your world crumbling down when you're like, yeah, this is my, my identity in high school. is this punk band. Yeah. But you're also like when you're a teenager, like your emotions are just bleh all over the place. Oh so yeah. That's going to happen. There's no yeah. way to stop that. Especially when there's like three to five of you in a room. Three to five guys in a room is at as a teenager is the worst. It's a bad idea. It's just all over bad idea. And it smells terrible. It always <laughs> smells terrible. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm, I'll tell you this. I will redact things. I was in briefly we had one band practice with you remember the band yeah uh the singer wanted to be in a band with me and I, i'd never understood why i'm like i'm a terrible bassist i'm not a good like singer uh but he wanted to be in a band with me so i went to his house and i found out first he was like a rich kid which that's fine but like he had such a nice drum set basses all over the wall guitars all over the wall and i was confused because i'm playing like hand me down basses like yeah. drum sets that were made of six different drum sets. Yeah. You're like, they're supposed to match. What the hell? <laughs> yeah. I was so confused. Cause like, I'm getting stuff from like secondhand stores. Yeah. And he started writing a song. He's like, man, I got these lyrics and they are just going to be banging. You're going to love to sing this. I'm like, okay. He's like, let me play it for you first. I'm like, all right, cool. And the lyrics are what I remember. And they are stuck in my head forever. It was, I want to rock. I want to play. I want to rock so hard today. And immediately I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, no, dude, no, I can't. I, I just, we don't mesh. And I think that's bad. <laughs> if death pose wants to use that. You're like, that's bad. And you should feel bad for writing that. <laughs> I'm a guy that wrote a song called slutty brought us pizza about our friend named slutty. Uh, and that's better than that. And I've written some of the worst songs in the world. <laughs> Oh my God. Yeah. Some of those rhymes, like I remember there was, yeah, there was a metal band I was in and the l lyricist in that band wrote some that were like, basically like, I'm in love with you, like a dove from above, you know, like th that kind of rhyming where you're yeah, like, yeah. Oh, buddy boy. <laughs> it's so hard to write lyrics though. It's, a, it's impossible. Cause it's again, it's art. You're trying to put your own personality into it. You're trying to put, uh, personal experiences into it because that's where the best art comes from yeah and it doesn't always work 50 percent of what i write just goes in the trash because oh, totally. it sucks at least yeah how how much of your your songwriting goes in the trash just done lyrically um not yeah not songs sorry lyrics yeah lyrically i would say at least half like yeah. um like with any given song i'll 
you know, we, with Death Pose and with this guy we scrape, we would write music first and then we get kind of that structure locked. And then I would use that as a framework to build out sections and like what the, you know, quote unquote dramatic arc of whatever narrative would be like to use that as like the, the guardrails. And then like, like most people, I, at least I think most people, when you, you know, you're in the room practicing it, I'll first start with melodies mm -hmm. and then I'll get like a melodic phrasing or like syllable phrasing, you know, loosely locked. And then comes the part where I throw everything away, which is like, all right, within this, you know, ABAB section or, you know, whatever it is, here's this story or whatever, here's this call and response or whatever. And more often than not, the first handful of ideas are totally garbage. And then I'll use like one nugget that yeah. kind of works and then base everything else around that. And then it usually kind of comes to fruition that way. But yeah, most of it, I think that if you don't, it's like with anything, if you don't quote unquote fail, then you're not going to improve. So it's, it's good to like be critical on what you're creating because it yeah. needs to be genuine and needs to be like the best version of itself. So yeah, definitely a lot percentage percentage wise yeah i mean because when you're a teenager you think everything you write is is gold because we, yeah. we all have big egos and confidence because you're in a band playing shows at small town skates yeah and then when you're an adult <laughs> like 20 people showed up yeah <laughs> <laughs> this place is packed yeah they all played two dollars to get in <laughs> suckers <Yeah. laughs> but when you're an adult like you have a realization that not everything you do is great and right. I think, and again, that's imposter syndrome, which we talked about earlier too. Yeah. Cause you feel like everything you write or the, the way you're putting together melodies and singing, like you think that's bad and other people may not think that, but you're just, you question yourself as a, as an artist. Yeah. Yeah. And then like to your earlier question about like being interviewed and is that weird? It's, it's especially weird when someone will talk about xyz song mm -hmm. and be like oh, i really love the lyrics to this can you talk more about that and i was like i thought you would hate that <laughs> <laughs> or like there's one song in the album that was like it was the the second track on the album it was almost didn't make it on the recording just because mm -hmm. it was written like so last minute and like even the lyrics i didn't write until like that one i wrote 20 minutes before i recorded it vocally yeah and that I think like the time pressure sometimes can can help because, you know, there's like I said before, there's validity and like bettering it and making it the best version of itself. But then you can get stuck in this loop of like, when is it done? You know, and yeah. it's it could never be done. You know, exactly. you know, there's always room for improvement. So then to have like, shit, I have to record this in 20 minutes. I need to like force myself to to get through this that made the pieces that went in the trash a little bit more minimized but it also made the first part of it better because i was like under pressure to do something off the cuff um that would work and you but you can use that pressure to make a song better i mean exactly. yeah because it comes exactly. from personal experience yeah this is where i wrap up the show and say like hey jason plug all of the things 
and I point to you aggressively and no one can see it. <laughs> I can see it though. <laughs> That's what matters. Plug it. So, yeah, I mean, I, uh, if anyone listening would like to hear my most recent and current band in a band called death pose, you can find us on all of the social medias and all of the streaming platforms. We have a new album called Midnight Society that came out on October 20th on Brutal Panda Records. They're based out of Philadelphia. We don't have any live shows coming up right now, so you can't see us live, but <laughs> uh, take a listen for sure. And then, of course, if you want to listen to some old stuff, my old band, The Sky We Scrape, is on all streaming stuff. I want to get old Tox Crusaders and all those other bands, Niagarafell, on. I need to get those on those streaming platforms. I think that'd be cool. Um, I have a lot of the old school stuff. I, I know I have every band I've been in that's recorded stuff. I have old Vicious Canid stuff. I have old Rhythm Twit slash Diuretic stuff. Uh, I think old Deaterra stuff, which we never discussed. The one metal band out here. <laughs> they were great. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah, especially later on, like when uh, when Aaron joined too. And yeah, Shawnee, I haven't seen Shawnee in forever. But yeah, that was the the one metal band that was like, Good. Yeah, that was wild. <laughs> well, uh, it, for the time. For the time. Yes. Yeah. yeah, but you should send that over. I'll, uh, I can collect that. Or I've it been actually... trying to keep track of all that old stuff because like, it's just lost media at this time. Yeah. Have you, um, this is a little bit of a sidestep, but like, have you seen the Bandcamp um, page, like the DuPage du hardcore no. scene? So I think it's Adam Kowalski who's in um, Rom. Oh yeah, back in the day. So I think he's the one that kind of heads that up. But he has, I'll, I'll I'll email you this link. But he has hundreds of different albums that were released back in the day. From like he put up Tax Crusader stuff, Four Squares stuff, like Leonard's Innards, Apocalypse Aboken, any of those bands that were kind of like tertiarily from, you know, the Tri Cities or DuPage County area. So I know he has a pretty robust collection to off the send that because it, it's a wild uh time capsule yeah i definitely like i miss so many of listening to that older stuff like we're so young and we're still trying to we're trying to make music some of it's good most of it's terrible but it's like such a great snapshot of because it was tri-city's music scene was so uh, it was a great community but like there were so many bands that came out of it yeah i mean and I don't, you know, I'm so far removed from that world. Um, and also like being 41 years old, it's not like, I'm not going to be like the hello fellow kids yeah. <laughs> showing up to a house show. Um, so I, I hope that there's still a, a music scene like with like the high school folks and whatnot. But I think that one of the cool things about like what, you know, what we all did back then was it was true DIY. Yeah. Like the, our friends collectively like we would we would put on these shows we would like you know have backyard shows basement shows kiss the sky was huge for for all of our bands i know and like also just like build a community of and to build a scene like um yeah. which that word is can be kind of lame i guess but it's like it truly was like it's thing where you would know you know let's go see some cool bands to kiss the sky or small town or this bread <laughs> bakery <laughs> or legends of london do you remember when uh you remember when uh that doc martin store legends of london was downtown geneva 
they did like a handful of shows there and it was like you're playing at a shoe store (laughs) (laughs) i do remember the shoe store i just didn't know there were shows there yeah i think we might have done just one maybe it was only one but i think it was like i'm sure it was tox crusaders y50 vicious kids it was probably like yeah the core group but also making flyers making flyers was such like my favorite part of every show because you just go to a copying store and just yeah paste together a bunch of things you got from a magazine and then just write on it like we're playing this weekend and that was like probably my first dip into graphic design which ended up that's what i went to school for and like Mm -hmm. how i built my career yeah i would say those like in hindsight especially like that's that music scene that we had together was I would say mostly responsible for me doing visual design and doing music still like that's wild to think about like those formative years that's why I became somehow a professional writer even though my writing was trash it was now it's not I mean like my (laughs) music was trash people like it and pay for it now which is the same thing with you (laughs) yeah you suckers like we we get paid to like do the things we were the worst at as teenagers. Yeah. But you put in the hours and then it oh, yeah, yeah. comes out the other side. Yeah. Uh, thank you for coming on and uh, Death Pose. Uh, also, there, you have a music video too, which was just so weird. Like, not weird in a bad way, but like, oh, Jason's singing. Like, I <laughs> I know him. We did shows. Like, it's just so, it's, it's so weird. It's probably like moderately shocking. <laughs> not it, sure. It is because it, it's weird yeah. to see. I've said weird like 30 times, but it's bizarre to see someone you played music with, like still continuing that passion. Cause so many of us like just completely fell out of it because, you know, family, adulthood, like it kind of just takes over your passion sometimes. For sure. For sure. But thank you for coming on. I appreciate it. And you're the first technical guest on casual yelling. Love it. No one's yelled during the entire episode what (laughs) okay there's one for one we have one yell thank you jason for coming on weird trip down memory memory yeah whatever memory lane while also talking about jason's current venture with death pose i really appreciate him coming on we haven't talked in like 20 years we mentioned the tri-cities music scene dupage music scene also king county music scene this all takes place in illinois it was a fantastic time to learn how to be a musician even though we were in our late teens early 20s at this point and i i don't know if there's still a music scene out here because i'm 40 and you know people are in their teens playing this music and learning how to become musicians and also rock music and punk music isn't as big as it was you know in 1999 through 2004 Anyways, uh, end music by the Muggles, who was a band during that time. Uh, this is from their album. The song is called Gilded Age, features Tom Wanderer singing, Will Ash on guitar, Andrew Parks on bass, and me, Matt Offering, on drums. This was our studio album we recorded in 2003 and released in 2023. You can get it on vinyl, the, I believe it's muggles.bandcamp.com. We will see you all next week on Casual Yelling.